Today on I'll Have You Know. The most important thing to understand is what motivates you, what is going to make you feel successful, and then focus on that and, and don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Karen Crofton's journey to entrepreneurship hasn't been a straight line. From engineering school to rice business and teaching business and entrepreneurship in Colorado. But it was a chance glance at a magazine advertisement when she was just a teenager that first set the wheels in motion to leading a life of freedom and flexibility today. Thank you so much for joining us, Karen. Christine, thanks for having me. So you're joining us from Colorado? I am, yes, Boulder, Colorado. You know, I was on a, a webinar earlier today, and um, the uh, woman who was being interviewed talked about a zigzag career. And as I'm interviewing you now and thinking back to that webinar from earlier today, I feel like maybe you have had a bit of a zigzag career in how you've gotten to where you are now. Would you say that's accurate? And tell us about it. Yeah, um, I think that's a pretty good analogy. I started off as a mechanical engineer. Um, and I did that for a while and then um, realized that I actually thought I was really well suited for biz the business portion of it. And so I went to Rice, got my MBA. And then I realized actually it was less just business and more that I wanted to be in entrepreneurship. And so I kind of took another zag um, in that direction. You've recently been named the Entrepreneur in Residence for the College of Engineering and Sciences at University of Colorado. That sounds like a great opportunity. Tell us how you came uh, to be in that position and what you're hoping to do with it. Yeah, so about five years ago, um, I kind of left the corporate realm to um, pursue entrepreneurship. Um, I actually entered the ecosystem uh, via investing. So I was investing in, in startup companies. Um, and then I had an opportunity to teach a course over at um, the University of Colorado. Um, really enjoyed teaching the course. And so I knew some of the professors, some of the deans there. Um, and as it turned out, this opportunity popped up where um, we have quite a few student groups um, sometimes out of capstones, uh, sometimes that start companies, and they need some mentorship in how do we get this company going, right? Especially if you're in engineering school and maybe your curriculum isn't particularly exposed to marketing or advertising um, or operations. And so what I do is I provide some mentorship to those um, student-led companies on where they would need to go to take their idea to an actual business. So I think a lot of people think entrepreneurship and the only way to get involved with entrepreneurship is to start your own company, but you are uh, demonstrating there are other ways to get involved. You know, yours is through teaching, investing, and experiences also through whether it's VCs or you're working on the other side of startups. Can you talk about how um, you've gotten involved in an entrepreneurship without having actually started your own company? Yeah, I have to say, um, you know, when I first graduated from college, um, there weren't nearly as many resources or they certainly weren't easy to find, right? So um, finding startup accelerators or grant programs or mentorship in entre entrepreneurship, um, it just wasn't quite as readily available. Um, and so I took kind of the more conservative path, um, went to a, a corporation um, and did that for, um, gosh, almost 15 years. Um, but then I started to realize, you know, hey, how could I 
um, get into the ecosystem, even if I didn't have a, a pressing idea, right? I didn't have this passionate problem that I needed to solve, but I still wanted to get involved with the ecosystem. Um, and what I saw was there's definitely a need for mentors who have been through kind of a corporate structure. Um, there's definitely a need for um, financing, especially at the angel investing level. And um, each of those aspects gives you a purview to the other side. Right. So how did the person come up with their idea? Uh, what pitfalls are they having? Um, what extra resources do they need? Right. It's just a way to kind of um, participate looking in instead of having to be immersed fully in it. Um, and then you can kind of decide where you fit best in that ecosystem. So you've gotten involved through your ability to invest as well. But really, the seed was planted for that a very, very long time ago. We want to mention that you had a goal of being basically semi-retired by 40, but you really put this the wheels into motion when you were a teenager. Tell us about that story. I did, yeah. You know, I, I always thought it would be great to have flexibility. Um, as I mentioned, you know, the entrepreneurship dream wasn't uh, quite the same when I was when I was younger. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, how, how would I kind of do that? Um, and it was just a weird coincidence. Uh, when I was about 15, uh, my mom and my grandma, my aunt had this magazine exchange, right? So when magazines were, it was more popular to actually get a, a printed copy of a magazine. And so they would each have a subscription and then, you know, trade the magazines. So at one point in time, whatever magazine it was, it was actually covered down, right? So the back of the magazine was, was face up. And um, I looked at it and it was an advertisement for the Vanguard Wellington Mutual Fund. And essentially it was um, like a line chart of three different people. And each person started investing at a different age, but they invested for the same amount of time. I want to say it was like 20 years, right? So the youngest person starts at 25 and they invest up until 45. And I think the oldest person started at 45 and invested up until they were 65, right? And at the end of the day, you know, the, the moral is um, through the magic of compounding interest, right? The person who started at 25, um, even though they invested the same amount of money over the same number of years, because they had all that time for it to compound, they wind up with way more money than the person who started at, at 45, right? So not rocket science, but to me, that was like an immediate epiphany. Like, well, if I'm 15, I mean, I can do even better than whoever it was. I think it was Bob at 25, right? Um, and so that really caught, caught my eye. Um, and, you know, it's not exactly that simple, right? That, you know, the, the way it works, but I actually recreated a dynamic version of this. Um, I have a website, solventstrategy.com, and you can go on and you can put in different numbers and do three different scenarios for yourself. Um, I thought it was that powerful of a tool um, and, and really did change the trajectory of my life. Great story and just amazing to have that kind of foresight, I think. And even someone younger who might read something like that, I think it's completely different to actually be able to put it into action and have the discipline uh, to continue that um, in the earlier years. You know, um, it, it is a bunch of sacrifice, right? Because in the short term, you have to make the decision of, you know, would I like these pair of shoes 
today, which are, you know, great today, very useful today. Um, or do I want to see that amount of money grow in 20 years? Um, much harder to realize that, you know, 20 years later, you'll have much more money. Um, and especially too, you can see it with um, those line charts. You really have to wait until you hit the inflection point, um, you know, where you start to get that more exponential part of the curve, right? So it does take quite some time. And you certainly in the beginning think, why am I sacrificing, you know, all the fun um, to finally get to that point? But um, at the end of the day, it just is math uh, and it does work. So you decided to go to Rice Business um, starting in 2008, right, as uh, we had the big the big crash. Uh, what made you decide to go at that point, and how has that experience really helped you moving forward? You know, so super interesting. Um, you have to remember, so we would have started in August of 08, um, and it wasn't quite 100% apparent what would transpire. Um you know the market wasn't wasn't great but it wasn't it wasn't completely terrible yet at that point um so that was more a um geographic move that i had and i found myself in houston and i thought oh gosh you know at this point in my life um how do i get more connected to the community um how do i meet some like-minded individuals um and i actually had a friend of mine who had gone full-time to rice to get an mba um highly highly recommend that i go um in fact i did not have a gmat at the time uh, i didn't have a gmat score and she signed me up for a test date um, that's how committed she was that, uh, that she thought it was a good idea for me to go. Yep. What a friend. <laughs> Speaking of engagement with Rice, you have most recently been on the alumni board. Can you talk about that experience, what you gained through it and, um, really what your vision is for, uh, the alumni board moving forward, how it can benefit alums and, um, current students? Yeah, so for me, the alumni board was a really fantastic experience. Um, you know, as we mentioned, I don't live in Houston anymore. And so, you know, it can be very difficult to stay connected. Um, the board was an absolutely perfect way for me to stay engaged, kind of keep my fingers on the pulse of um, what was going on and um, what was fresh and current. Um, and I think people mistakenly believe that the most value they're going to get out of their MBA is kind of right in and around the graduation time frame, right? Either you're pivoting to something else or you're getting a new job, you're getting a raise, you're getting a promotion, right? Some kind of really discreet activity. Um, but there is lifelong value in a Rice um, MBA. If you stay connected to the community and engaged, um, you can always find an alum to reach out to that's connected in some way to what you're currently doing. You have quite a story we spoke at the beginning about sort of your zigzag. Do you think that we're going to see more of that uh, with people pivoting or whatever you want to call it? You started as an engineer and then uh, there's really no, maybe not as many limits or restrictions as there used to be in in making these turns. There might have been a time where someone said, well, you, well, you can't go do that. You went down this path, you know. Yeah, you know, I think part of that, too, is um, a more structured approach to career development. Right. Um, I think I fell in this kind of weird space between um, you could start at the mailroom 
and become a CEO of a company, right? Into this um, digital age where people are really connected. They see strategic value in planning a career. There's resources to help you. I mean, you know, if you think back about it, it's kind of ludicrous to think you could decide what you wanted to be for the rest of your life at 18, 19, 20, right? Um, things change interests change. Um, when I first graduated from college, you know, data analytics was not really uh, a topic that you could study, you know, full time. Um, and so all these things happen. And I think people are now realizing um, that your experience is cumulative. And you can apply that to pretty much anything. Right. And so keeping your options open, um, looking for different opportunities, it's just way more viable now than it might have been 20, 30, 40 years ago. Definitely. What advice would you give to current Rice business students who are maybe just starting their journey? Yeah, I think uh, the number one thing is you can pivot at any age. And so don't let what you've done already restrict what you'd like to do moving forward. That's great advice. So uh, the name of the podcast is I'll Have You Know. We like to share you know, some insights with all of the listeners. I think that most people would agree financially, You, if you were advising your younger self, you did a pretty good job of the foresight that you had and the plan that you took as far as ensuring your financial security. If you were advising your younger self in maybe another area, is there something you would tell yourself that you've learned now after Rice Business, after a career in engineering, and now in entrepreneurship? Yes. Um, you know, when you go to engineering school um, to start out, a lot of things are right or wrong, right? Physics has answers. Chemistry has answers. Um, the biggest value that I got out of the Rice MBA was the soft skills of business. Um, I think the number one thing that um, especially undergraduates can do, and then especially going into your MBA, is to realize that you are a brand in and of yourself, right? And to always be learning about what did you want to project about yourself? What is your personal brand? What's important to you? Um, and actually carving out time for that discovery. You took a more traditional corporate career path before venturing into entrepreneurship. Would you advise people that's a, that's a good direction to go? Does it matter what maybe that background was before diving into entrepreneurship? Yeah, you know, so in no way, shape, or form do I want to sound discouraging to entrepreneurship. Um, starting your own business is amazing. Um, but at the time, you know, that many years ago, there were just fewer resources. Um, there wasn't really a way for me to envision that pathway forward towards the goal that I had in mind, which was, you know, more of a flexible lifestyle, right? To be able to kind of choose what I want to do. Um, and so I think the most important thing to understand is, what motivates you, what is going to make you feel successful, and then focus on that and, and don't worry about what anybody else thinks. And do you think that's easier to um, have that mentality once you've been in your career a few years rather than having that mentality at, uh, in your early 20s, just as you mature? Again, I think it depends on 
if you can spend some time thinking about what's really important to you, um, I think, you know, especially you'll, you know, the movies from, from the eighties, right. Um, Wall street was the thing, you know, I think we used to place a lot of value on purely financial numbers. Um, and I think folks now have the opportunity to really consider all of the aspects that are important to them, um, and let that kind of guide their career. I also think you talked about the the resources out there for entrepreneurs, which are vast. There's also, I think, just more media and attention on entrepreneurship. I mean, Shark Tank is the obvious one, but there are just so many programs dedicated to it. And I think that that's created, I mean, you see kid on, entrepreneurs now, young young kids at 12 starting their own company. And I think that just the um, exposure that's out there makes a big difference for people to even think about that as a consideration. Yeah, I mean, the good old fashioned lemonade stands, you know, which might have just seemed like a a cheesy thing to do. I mean, really, there is a ton of valuable experience in that, right? So um, bringing a child through, hey, here's how we make the lemonade, here's how we put it together, here's how we have to advertise, here's how you have to price it. Um, I think that's super important. I also would say too, never throw anything out until you take it apart. Um, the best experience you can give uh, your kids is to, you know, take apart that blender uh, before you throw it out, right? So um, opening stuff up and, and seeing how stuff really works, um, I think is such a great experience. My brother was the person in our house that did that. And there were lots of things they, they were taken apart. They were never put back together. Yeah, well, it should be broken first. That's right. So I think some great places to start entrepreneurship, um, if you're a student, right, the capstone classes to really take those seriously um, and consider that you could actually turn that into a business when you're done. Um, you know, here at CU, we have the new venture challenge. And of course, Rice holds, I think, the country's largest business plan competition. Um, and so when you have these opportunities that might at first appear academic, uh, really put some thought into whether or not you'd want to take that forward because they can be great um, starting off points. Yeah, excellent advice. A lot of opportunities out there if you go if you go seek them out. Yeah. Do you have an ultimate goal in your entrepreneurial path that you're taking right now? No, you know I don't, and that's um, that's part of the fun of it, right? Is um, I had somewhat of a serious, um, very structured career to begin with. Uh, and now it's more about what things are fun and exciting, what can I learn, um, and really more, who else can I help with their journey? All right, Karen Crofton, Rice MBA for Professionals Class of 2010. Thank you for joining us on Owl Have You Know. Christine, thanks so much again for having me. This has been Owl Have You Know. Thanks for listening. You can find links and more information about our guests, hosts, and announcements on our website, business.rice.edu. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave us a comment while you're at it and let us know what you think. I'll Have You Know is a production of Rice Business and is sponsored by the Rice Business Alumni Board. The hosts of I'll Have You Know are myself, David Drugliever, and Christine Dobbin.